Hi there. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We did want to come on and say that we will be discussing mental health and mental illness in this episode, including subjects such as addiction, eating disorders, and the stigmas that surround mental illness in the media. We also wanted to say that we are not the experts in this subject. We are merely here for conversation and to raise awareness. Thank you, and here is the episode. Hi, I'm Rachna. I'm Natalie. And I'm Christy. And welcome to the Triage Podcast. Welcome back to the triage. We are so excited to be back with you. And we are here today with our first episode of our Mental Health Awareness Month series. Woo! It is May. Can you believe it? I don't think anyone can no. believe it. That <laughs> yeah. it um, but we're excited to be here with you with this topic. We know we had an episode about this last year, um, but it's always important to revisit and have deeper conversations about mental health and mental illness. You can keep up with our Instagram at the triage to learn more, and we'll be posting a lot of resources and some follow-up discussions to these episodes. But today we have a general overview of mental health, why we care about it, why it's important for us to always keep up the conversation beyond just one month or one day or one week. One of the important things here that we'd like to know is that it seems like mental health awareness is always around us uh, with social media. If you uh, look around, a lot more people are talking about it. So it seems like it's something that is destigmatized, right? It seems like something that, okay, we all know about mental health. We all know that we need to practice self-care and X, Y, and Z. But the reality is, is that mental illness is still stigmatized. A lot of people still do not get the care that they deserve. Um, And people are still, still feel ashamed when they aren't feeling their best. And so it's important to always raise awareness, even though it seems like it's something that is is well known. Um, And even in the fall of 2019, American attitudes and awareness of mental health issues, there was a, there was a poll conducted and almost 90% of respondents said that there is some stigma and discrimination associated with mental illness in our society. And this was in 2019. And more than 30% stated that discrimination and stigma associated with mental illness has decreased over 10 years, but 30% said that the situation still remains unchanged. So whether it's 1% of people still believing that mental health is still stigmatized or 30%, we still want to make sure that everyone feels heard and feels seen and has the resources that they need. And awareness is the first step in ensuring that everyone has access to proper treatment or even just knows some of the symptoms and signs to look out for. But before we really dive into this episode and this topic, and really before we get into our other episodes of this series, which are going to also be great, we wanted to define the difference between mental health and mental illness, because there is a difference. And it's important to acknowledge that there are differences. And while everyone does experience uh, and deals with mental health, not everyone deals with mental illness. And that's something that that we, we would like to discuss. And so mental health, according to the CDC, reflects our emotional, psychological, and social well-being, affecting how we think, feel, and act. 
Mental health has a strong impact on the way we interact with others, handle problems, and make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the definition of mental health. But what is mental illness? And according to the CDC, mental illness refers to conditions that affect a person's thinking, feeling, mood, or behavior. So that's the definition of mental illness. And the reason why the two, distinguishing between the two is important is because everybody has to strengthen their mental health, experiences different things with their mental health, but not everybody has mental illness. And that's why we wanted to distinguish the two before going further in today's episode. Exactly. And not to bombard you with statistics, but uh, 20.6% of U.S. adults experienced mental illness in 2019, and that's nearly 52 million people. That's insane. I did not know that. It's a lot. That's crazy. It's a lot. And this represents one in five adults. And 5% of U.S. adults experienced serious mental illness in 2019, and that's 13 million people. And so while this is all still stigmatized, these statistics really speak to the fact that it's important to always keep up the awareness and keep up um, advocating for better health. And Natalie, I know you want to go a little bit more into that. Yeah, so something I really wanted to mention and Christy highlighted this in the beginning of our episode. You know, we talked about mental health last year in relation to the pandemic. So something to keep in mind is that these statistics are before the pandemic. So I would say that these numbers have definitely increased. Of course, um, there's still so much research being done on how COVID affects folks physically and then also mental health wise as well. And even for people who haven't had COVID. So us and the, you know, us um, experiencing quarantine and things like that too. So two prime examples of mental illness that I feel like personally are really not as stigmatized, but um, everybody's experience with mental illness and mental health is different, um, are anxiety and depression. And they really are deeply intertwined in my eyes. And that's because that sometimes they could feed off of each other and they can manifest differently in anybody, as can any mental illness manifest differently in anybody. Um, You know, symptoms are online. Um. Symptoms are provided by healthcare providers to help you understand um, things that you may be experiencing and, you know, as a side effect of any disorder. But of course, like, there's no, like, universal experience for any of these illnesses that we're going to talk about today. So I wanted to preface that with that. But major depressive disorder um, affects the way how you feel, think, and act. Um, It is treatable. And it um, can cause extreme cases of sadness or loss of interest in activities you once enjoyed. Um, It could also lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease your ability to function at work or at home. Um, As for anxiety, it is a little bit more um, closely tied to fear and stress, I would say. Um, And it could also hinder the ability to function normally. And there's numerous types of disorders, including generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, uh, specific phobias, agoraphobia, social anxiety disorder, separation anxiety disorder. Um, And all of these really just have to do with the way that your anxiety manifests itself. So how it presents itself, whether it's in social situations, whether it has to do with um, leaving the house, whether it's tied to a certain idea. Um, and it's very, it's very extensive and it could be extremely debilitating as well. And that's why we wanted to have episodes like this to, 
this is our act of normalizing it. This is our act of trying to have a teaching moment with you all and with ourselves as well as we did this research. So we appreciate you um, taking the time to learn more with us. Exactly. We're, we're really thankful. And thank you, Natalie, for giving us that, uh, those definitions about what depression and anxiety are. Because these are terms that we hear often, like you said, but sometimes it's unknown what they actually mean and how they're different or how they can work together sometimes um, in, in different experiences. And while these two uh, illnesses are always important, like you said, statistics from last year are astonishing. In the U.S., 42% of respondents to a CDC survey in t- December 2020 reported anxiety or depression symptoms. And that's an increase of over 200% from the 2019 average, which is unsurprising. What do you all think? I feel like yeah, it could even be 400%. Yeah. And who knows, like, especially with these types of surveys, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily get a full grasp of the entire U.S. population and they can't, uh, they won't be completely representative of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was higher, honestly. Absolutely. And people could still, people could be young. You know, I'm sure like young kids in school Mm -hmm. are experiencing anxiety and maybe they wouldn't have been experiencing it. Um, Because also too, something I forgot to highlight is that anxiety and depression and other forms of mental illness could be situational. Like they could be brought on by certain stressors or environmental stressors, or they could be genetic. Both cases, extremely, extremely valid. But I think, you know, um, the pandemic is going to or has caused a lot of environmental and situational stressors to be brought up, as well as like just heightening symptoms of folks who have already experienced it. So just all around, like these numbers make sense to me. And like Rachna said, I would not be surprised if this did not accurately reflect like the large, like the, like the largeness of the scale and like not everybody is represented. I would not even be surprised. Exactly. Yeah, all great points. And like you said, Natalie, we have fairly widespread awareness about anxiety and depression, but those are not the only mental illnesses that people experience. Um, And we really can't create change if we don't acknowledge illnesses that are heavily stigmatized. And Rachana, you know more than the average person about this topic and are hoping to contribute more to this field in the future. Would you mind explaining a few of these highly stigmatized disorders? And of course, what we talk about today is not the full picture of every disorder out there, but really touches on um, a lot of the disorders that we hear about commonly and and that are very stigmatized. Yeah, of course. And as you guys have been saying, anxiety and depression are so widespread and there's at least a, a good amount of increasing awareness about those disorders. But... I don't want that to be the classic thing that we think of when we think of mental illness because there's just so much more to it. And with these stigmatized disorders, some of them are just not talked about enough. So we're hoping to kind of shed a little bit of light on these things. And hopefully you guys can figure out and read more about these disorders because they're actually pretty widespread too. So eating disorders. This is one of the things that I don't know. I feel like with social media, it's kind of increased in prevalence over the years because people are trying to go for this ideal body type. 
And it's something that it's very hard when the person goes through it. I mean, we think of the classic anorexia nervosa, which is when someone is just kind of depleting themselves of the nutrients that they need to kind of thrive as a person. And um, they end up dropping a lot of weight and going through a lot of health issues because of that. Then we think about binge eating disorders when people kind of overeat to compensate for a stress response. There's also bulimia, which we think about it as a classic binge and purge. So someone overeats and then they throw up. But there's other ways that people can manifest this disease. They could either overexercise and try to lose weight that way, or they could be abusing laxatives. We think of those diet teas that are kind of sold on social media, and that can actually contribute to harmful behaviors that people go into. So that's kind of the overview of eating disorders, but there's a lot more. There's also bipolar disorder, which I think in the media, it's, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know if you guys have seen this in like TV shows and stuff, people are just like, oh, that, that person is bipolar as kind of an insult to them, like, when they have different moods that are opposite ways, but that's not really what bipolar disorder is. It's these people who kind of experience these highs and lows in their behavior, they feel sometimes happy at sometimes, or they could feel sometimes extremely depressed. And there's a lot of medication that can help with this disorder. But I think that people don't really realize that this is happening to them when they're when it's happening. So another one that you kind of see in TV shows and the media is schizophrenia. And when you think of schizophrenia in the media and in crime shows in particular, you see them as the people who are kind of like the murderers, quote unquote. And I think that's such a bad misperception of these people these people yes they do have some sorts of hallucinations and maybe delusions of things but once they're on medication and are getting the help that they need these people can actually be pretty functional in society and I've actually seen it firsthand patients who've taken this medication and have just completely become changed for the better and it's very sad to see this kind of stereotypes portrayed in media So another disorder that's kind of misportrayed a lot in almost like everyday conversations is OCD. Everyone's always like, oh, I have a little OCD, like I want things to be neat and organized. But that's not really what OCD is. OCD is this disorder where you get these really intrusive thoughts that are coming into your mind and there's nothing that you can really do to stop those thoughts from happening. Sometimes people have these compulsions that they do after in order to kind of satisfy the impulse they're having. And it can be really debilitating to someone's life if they're consistently consistently having these thoughts that are coming up at any time. It can really kind of be a negative thing that's happening to them. And kind of one of the last things I really want to talk about is addiction because it's becoming increasingly prevalent, especially with COVID and everyone kind of being stuck at home. It's one of those things that it's, it's, it's really hard because a lot of people think that the people are kind of making poor choices and poor decisions in their addictive behaviors. But we always have to remember that 
there is some science behind these behaviors and it's very, very hard for someone to break a habit once they get into it. There's actual different types of neurotransmitters and chemical receptors that are contributing to these addictions. And it really is hard for someone to kind of overcome that if they don't really have the resources to help overcome that. So yeah, these are some of the diseases that I kind of wanted to briefly go over. And I think there's just so much more about these things that you can learn. And I really encourage everyone to kind of read up more about it so that they can understand it and become more aware of them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And it's, we're not even just talking about this to just raise awareness, but if you see some of these patterns or some of these symptoms in some of your friends, obviously um, you need to read up on how to actually handle a situation if you were to approach a friend and do something about it. But the more we know, the more we can help out our friends, help out ourselves, but also help out society. And so thank you for for going through that. And I, I think you made great points in saying that a lot of these disorders work together a lot of the time. Like they really follow a pattern sometimes or follow um, a system where one leads into the, to the other. Like for example, some people with anxiety disorders will then potentially develop OCD or develop an eating disorder. Or sometimes an eating disorder comes from having anxiety or depression. And addiction also, sometimes people use alcohol or other drugs to to numb themselves of feeling depressed or feeling anxious. And so um, I think that also is what's missing in a lot of the media conversations about some of these highly stigmatized disorders is that people think that you're just, um, that these just pop up. Um, Even when they're inherent, a lot of things contribute to them getting worse and especially when they're untreated. And so um, if if you out there are ever interested in, finding out a little bit more or think that you may um, be experiencing some of these symptoms or some of these disorders, there are some online screening tools. Of course, they're not perfect. If you if you would like to get more help, we definitely do suggest um, meeting with someone to really talk about what you're experiencing. And, and we'll have resources near the end of the episode. But a screening tool that has been very helpful is from Mental Health America. And so you can go to screening.mhanational.org slash screening dash tools, and that can bring you to a resource. And we'll, of course, have that um, linked in in the description and also on our Instagram page. Not only um, is mental health itself stigmatized, but certain mental health care and treatment is like more attractive than others, which is really interesting. Like, um, self-help, I think, kind of was the first to be popularized, and we're going to have an entire episode about the commodification of self-care and self-help. Uh, you know, I think it started with the books, and then it kind of progressed to different products and things like that, and we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper in some of our later episodes. But then I think recently, over the past like four or five years, I would say therapy has been more socially acceptable, quote-unquote. Um, you know, there's things where people says, oh, I think everybody should have a therapist, which I'm one of those people. I do think everybody should have a therapist. But, you know, um, people looking up to see if it's covered in their health plans, you know, uh, websites like, um, like, actually, I don't really want to advertise any, but there's been some websites that have 
popped up that um, are supposed to be ways to make therapy more accessible, which I'm always an advocate for. I just don't have my research, so I'm not just going to, like, randomly, like, start stating them and things. Um, and then also, too, as well, um, so those are some that I think are more, quote-unquote, acceptable by society standards. But then taking medication, visiting an inpatient or outpatient facility, um, you know, having those conversations with family about uh, mental health and how it affects how it affects yourself. Those are things that are a little bit more stigmatized, and it is something that could be the difference between like you know someone really having like the most fulfilling life that they can have or somebody really suffering. And that's why we need to remove the stigma around mental illness and around mental health, um, as well as mental illness treatment. Yeah, and I mean, over the past year, especially with COVID, there has been a lot of light shed on mental health and mental illness. And it's been nice to see that, but it's also kind of sad that it had to come to be this way because of COVID. And I just kind of wanted to reflect on the last year. Um, There's just been so much that has happened since we first started this podcast. I mean, we started the podcast because COVID was happening and we wanted to spread awareness. And I mean, now it's, what is it, May? And it's been like a year and three months of this pandemic that everyone has been dealing with. And I Mm -hmm. think people are still living with this residual trauma from COVID. We have all been impacted by it, whether it's through our professional lives, through our social lives. And we kind of almost have like PTSD from it. Like this has been a traumatic event in everyone's life and we need to figure out how to cope with it. There's just been students who have been impacted by being pulled out of school for a year by having kind of this disruption in their education. And there's also just been the essential worker impact who the people who have seen this firsthand have seen people dying from COVID every day. And they literally just had to keep working because they're who else would take care of their patients. They never really got a break from that. And they are still kind of not getting a break from that, honestly, from what I've seen in the hospital. So I don't know. There just has to be a way for everyone to kind of deal with this. And I don't know where that time and where that effort is going to come from because life just keeps moving forward. And we need to figure out more accessible ways for people to kind of reach out to get care because this is going to be an ongoing problem and the effects are just going to be residual so many people lost loved ones as well. And I think, Rachna, your point about the world just keep moving, keep, keep moving it forward is so true. Because I think about how we handled 9-11 in terms of the effects of how many people lost loved ones in their life um, compared to how we're handling the, this event that in terms of just the sheer number of people we lost, that magnitude is so much greater. Um It's just really interesting how we handled the two events. And I think that part of it has to do with like this, the normalization that came with COVID, um, which is, which could have definitely been like a coping mechanism to just not understanding like how this just affected our lives like so drastically and so fast. 
Um, but on the other hand of it, I think it's definitely rooted in this capitalistic idea to just not lose production and to just keep moving and keep going. Another thing that we've also been experiencing along with COVID is this kind of rise in gun violence and mass shootings. I mean, this has always been a problem in this country. And I think just recently, there's like a two week streak where there is a mass shooting happening every day. And it's just so sad to see that this is happening in America. One of the most, you know, you think of it as one of the most like innovative countries in the world, but this is still something that's happening and we can't figure out how to control it. And I think one of the problems we see with these shootings, especially when they're portrayed in the media, is that we kind of, not we as the people, but like media kind of uses it, uses mental illness as a scapegoat for the violence for the perpetrators. And I think this is kind of a misconstruction of what, what mental illness is and what it kind of makes people do. It it's just so sickening to see them use this as a scapegoat when in reality that there's so many other issues that are going on, especially with gun control in America, that, I don't know, it's just sad to see mental illness kind of portrayed in this light when we know that there's just, there's other stuff. Do you guys have any thoughts to add on this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I feel like the media often does that to almost victimize shooters, especially if they're white, um, to try Mm -hmm. to say that, um, that the person, it was almost as if it was out of their control and like not their choice when it was clearly their choice to cause harm. So I feel like that's when we really mostly see that narrative, um, is to try to like gain sympathy or like understanding where like neither of those things really have to be extended. I mean, if you want to go deeper into it, you know, a form of restorative justice and healing could offer that from a community sense and to help move forward and to try to lessen the um, the root causes of mass violence. However, as an individual, I don't think I need to extend understanding or sympathy to why somebody causes harm to others. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, that's kind of my feeling about it. And I feel like that, you know, we don't extend that same sympathy and understanding through the media when Black people are victims to violence Mm -hmm. and when Indigenous folks, you know, are advocating for their health or advocating for the indigenous women who are consistently going Mm -hmm. missing and are murdered and for the trans community and things like that. Like I'm sure that their mental health is being severely affected too. Like all of those affected communities by oppression and violence. Like where is that understanding? Where is that sympathy? It's not there. Um, but suddenly it's there for somebody who causes this mass amount of harm. Personally, I just don't get behind it. And I think it's manipulative. And I think that people who suffer from mental illness deserve better and deserve better conversations. I agree. And it's especially a lot of recent attacks have been racially motivated and attacks previously have been motivated by gender too 
And those two have been, it's instead of the media calling it what it is, a hate crime or a gender-based attack, it's been called, like you said, it people have been victimized as dealing with mental illness. And it's just not, the way we paint events matters and it helps us move on from it. It's the same thing with COVID. Like once we have the full data of what COVID has done to our society, then we'll be able to move forward. But these events of violence we know what happens, but it just doesn't get documented the right way. And then that no gun conform happens, no anti-racist education in schools happens, no education about misogyny or um, homophobia, transphobia happens because it's not quotes documented in that way. And it's going to continue to happen if none of us do anything. And the same thing happens with, um, we, we've kind of touched on this a little bit with what we were just talking about, but I think more people realize this now, but mental illness is highly policed. The police are very involved in crisis situations. Um, and again, that has been used as a justification for a lot of the um, police violence that has been happening. Again, mental health has been part of that, but someone going through something is not justification for someone to be killed. Um, And since 2015, nearly a quarter of all people killed by police officers in America have had a known mental illness. And even just beyond um, being murdered by police, people have had injuries too. Um, Or, and they're not carefully tracked. A lot of this stuff is not tracked as evidence. And the issue is right now, the where our state is set up is that when someone is in crisis, you dial 911 and the, a cop shows up, an ambulance may show up, and then who whoever is there that day, maybe there isn't someone who is trained to handle crises, or they are and they just don't follow through with that effective training or quote-unquote effective training. And then that person who was looking for help or had a family member looking out for them ends up being worse off a lot of the time. And the reason why we're talking about this, it's not even just because it's a, a a hot topic, quote unquote, or something we're experiencing right now. It's just a lot of people don't really understand how intertwined these systems are. And we have to know about it to advocate for change. Like this awareness means nearly nothing if we're not following through with it in our day to day, if we're not treating ourselves with the destigmatization, because we all have internalized stigma. Like I... I've had so many conversations with people who experience anxiety, but don't want to take medication because they're afraid. They're afraid of what people may think about them. They understand that they need help, but it, the society has made us feel ashamed of this stuff. But the stuff with policing and making change with gun violence and crises intervention, it all comes from us saying something and doing something about it. Um, but we can't do these things externally for society if we're not taking care of ourselves. We really want you to take that away from this episode is that you people say this, but you really cannot pour from an empty cup. And so we ask you while we're educating you on a lot of these issues about awareness, about taking steps to help other people, we really want you to take care of yourself as well. Um, and even if you aren't experiencing a mental illness right now, to take care of your mental health There are a lot of things you can do every day that can help you 
in even small ways. And so we wanted to incorporate a little bit of an interactive com component. Um, and these are things that you can either do right now live with us, or you can do later today or in a few days. And so Natalie, I know you have our first interactive activity for us. Yes, yes I do <laughs> have a breathing exercise for everybody. Um, deep breathing is such an incredible and powerful mechanism that I think not too many people who are not in this active conversation about mental health talk about, unless you practice yoga, which is, I think, another way that people really learn about the incredible benefits of deep breathing. But basically, it just gets this oxygen through your body, and it could center you and bring you down a little bit. I always think about, you know, if I'm very anxious, I always feel like I always, um, my camera's on, so the folks at home can't see me, but I always, I have like my hands kind of near my head. Like I always think of like myself as like raised, like my anxiety is raised, like I'm on like defense mode. And if I do deep breathing, it brings me down. So now I'm bringing my hands down, <laughs> like it brings me down. So, and like in a good way, like it levels me and calms me and grounds me as well. So our first um, exercise, our first exercise we're talking about is a breathing exercise and we're going to do it, we're going to do three sets of it everybody so it's called 478 and it helps um with your parasympathetic nervous system so all right everybody Ooh, we're gonna, mm. yeah we're gonna breathe in for four you're gonna hold it for seven and exhale for eight but i'm gonna guide us through it okay ready okay so breathe in for four mm -hmm. seconds okay hold that breath for seven seconds Okay, now exhale for eight seconds. All right, again, you're gonna breathe in for four seconds. Hold that breath for seven seconds. And exhale for eight seconds. Okay, last one. Breathe in for four seconds. Hold the breath for seven seconds. And exhale for eight seconds. How does everybody feel? Wow. wow. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that. <laughs> It's so crazy how something so simple can help you so much. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Really that is. That's something you can literally do anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can something even be discreet. Yes. And my therapist it. always says, like, the more that you do it, because you're supposed to practice these things when you're not in a if this, if you're doing this for anxiety, for instance, you're not supposed to be practicing these things when you're extremely anxious because you want to almost build a muscle around it. So it's like second nature and you could, so you practice these things when you're going through your day to day. And then if you're in a moment of crisis or even if you're in a moment of stress, then you could access the tools that you have and can bring yourself back down. That's such a good piece of advice. I've never realized that because 
I have really bad anxiety and I've always been stressed because I try to breathe in and out when I'm in a moment of panic, but I don't know how to explain it. I have these double breaths that happen when I'm really panicked and I'm like, why can't I breathe? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to breathe in and out and be relaxed, but you know, it's maybe it's not for that moment. So thank you. I, no, of course. I didn't know That's that. Good. I didn't know that that there, there could be different uses for it and that it's really a practice and it's not for some it can be used for different things so I think that's really important um the the last kind of live tip that we have for you and of course we can post this on our Instagram is a journal prompt and this has come from my therapist because um I think it's hard to journal I think some people do have an easy time being able to just put pen to paper or type in their notes app or fill out a five second journal or something online. But sometimes it's hard. You don't know what to talk about. You could have had a stressful day, but you were so not there that you can't write what was making you stress. Sorry, a a loud car just went by. It's making me stress right now. I should journal about it. But um, (laughs) I have always tried to practice journaling and it's been really tough for me. And so my therapist gave me four little prompts to do every day. It can be in the beginning. It can be at the end. It can be a reflection of the past day, but it can, it it really has helped me just tackle some of the things that I'd like to tackle and really understand patterns in in my behavior or patterns in days and document what stresses me out. And maybe if it's something that is controllable, I can maybe cut back on things or change them. So number one, a positive affirmation for yourself Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes self-love really is a practice. But if you can find one thing to be proud of yourself for during a day, write it down. Even if it's that you drank water or you ate a meal, those are huge. I don't think we all realize how big of a deal it is to even just simply take care of yourselves. Two, three things you're grateful for. Three, what were your challenges today? And four, what is your progress for the day? And it seems simple, Sometimes it's a big task for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to write about my life. I, this is stressful, but I think it's really important to give yourself credit for the things that you do throughout the day. I think that's what causes us a lot of stress, especially now with social media, which we'll get into and um, into our next episode, but we don't take the time to reflect on what we're good at, what makes us beautiful, what makes us special. Um, and give us credit for the things that we've gone through and the things that we've overcome throughout the day. So I really love that exercise and hopefully you can take that away too. Um, And of of course, like we said, little things add up to taking care of yourself, but sometimes self-care is not always enough. Um, And so we talked about therapy today. We talked about medication. We've talked about a lot of different ways that you can work with your mental health. Um, If you do experience a mental illness, Um, Like we said before, there are some screening tools online that you can do before you really start to speak to someone. Um, But resources like psychologytoday.com, which we'll have linked, Aunt Bertha, 211, those are resources that can help you get started in finding those external um, solutions or assisting things that can help you with your mental health. And so we really suggest you look into those. Of course, not every resource is perfect. So if you out there have better suggestions, please let us know. Um, And of course, we'll have 
linked alternatives to calling the police as well. Folks on the ground have been doing a great job of compiling different social services in different areas across the United States. Um, because we, you know, earlier we did have a conversation about crisis intervention and, and sometimes the police aren't the place to go. So, uh, we'll have that linked as well for you. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for sharing those tips. It was actually really nice to hear some of these things because I kind of want to incorporate some of them, not going to lie into my (laughs) day-to-day life. So Thank you guys for listening into this episode. This is kind of some heavy stuff that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just want to kind of remind you guys to take care of yourself and try to kind of practice self-care in the way that serves you. There is a lot to come for this month. I mean, we have a lot of episodes that we're kind of brainstorming. We kind of mentioned it a little bit in this episode, like social media the commodification of mental health so stay tuned and keep up with our instagram to see more posts about when we're publishing and dropping those episodes and we just kind of want to reiterate that we're not the experts in these fields whatsoever but we are just really trying to bring awareness to these topics and we hope that you can kind of take away something from all of these episodes that we're going to be doing So there's going to be a ton of resources out there that we're going to put into our Instagram bio and our link tree. You guys can check those all out and check out our next episodes in the next few weeks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.